Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Skin changes are among the most visible signs of aging and related to environmental factors, genetic makeup, nutrition, and other causes. Regular visits to a dermatologist and adopting healthy lifestyles can promote healthy skin for older adults and reduce the likelihood of common skin conditions as they age. Today, my guest is Dr. Chiki Dadlani, board-certified dermatologist with Dermatology Associates in McLean, Virginia. She will talk about normal skin changes that accompany aging, and she'll also discuss skin conditions and diseases occurring among older adults and diagnosis and treatment by a dermatologist. Finally, she'll explain how older adults can keep their skin healthy. So welcome, Dr. Dudlani, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be back. I'm grateful that I can share some recommendations and tips to the listeners today. Okay, well, uh, you are absolutely correct. You were my guest a few years ago, and maybe some of the information will be the same, but there might be new information you want to share. So let's get started by you explaining exactly what is a dermatologist, what are the areas of the body that this specialty treats, and are there both medical and surgical aspects? We need a little bit of a tutorial to begin with. Of course. So, Cheryl, dermatologists, they're board-certified physicians who specialize in the treatment of conditions that involve the skin, the nails, and the hair. And there's several aspects to our care, medical, surgical, and cosmetic. So, for example, for them, from the medical perspective, we do things like skin cancer screening, we take care of rashes, we look at birthmarks, we can do wards, allergic reactions to products, acne, and hair loss, and that's just to name a few. Surgically, we do procedures to remove skin cancers, moles, and cysts. There are even specific dermatologists who've done fellowships to be trained in dermatologic surgery. From the cosmetic perspective, dermatologists do treatments such as Botox, fillers, lasers, chemical peels. They do body contouring, body tightening, and fat dissolve. They can also treat patients with lasers for blood vessels, pigment, fine lines, and textures. So there's a wide array of things that dermatologists cover. Well, and we're going to hear about some of those today, but it, it's obvious since the skin is the largest organ that we have, it's no surprise that you cover so many different uh, conditions and um, diseases. So, But before we get into that, Dr. Dudlani, let's just talk about aging and particularly the skin changes that occur 
um, for older adults. What skin changes actually accompany aging and, and why, why does that happen? Sure. So we have many changes that occur as we mature. What happens is the ability of our body to repair DNA, it slows down as we age. So the support structures in our skin like collagen, elastin, hyaluronic acid that provide strength and elasticity, they begin to diminish. And when they begin to diminish, we see a wide range of skin changes. You can see things like laxity of the skin, dryness, bruising easily. The skin becomes more transparent as it becomes thinner. The ability of the skin to recoil and snap back after stretching is lessened. Rubbing or pulling on the skin can cause skin tears. We also see that broken capillaries, they appear as the blood vessels become more fragile as we age, and then the structures supporting them become weaker. So uh, fragile blood vessels can break easily, causing bruises even after minor injury. Also, as we age, you lose more water, and skin cell turnover slows down, so that can cause flaking and dulling skin You can also notice some people have like a hollowing appearance and that's a result of a loss of fat that's below the skin in the cheeks, the temple, the nose and the eye area. Also, as our metabolism slows down, fat pockets form under our chin. Gravity also pulls down the structures in our face giving a sagging appearance below the cheekbones. Also, another sign of aging and wisdom is gray hair and that appears as hair follicles lose pigment. So we also notice the subcutaneous fat layer thin, so it has less insulation and padding. This increases risk of skin injury and also reduces the ability of the body to maintain body temperature. With less natural insulation, individuals can get hypothermia in cold weather. On the other hand of the spectrum, the sweat glands also produce less sweat, so it makes it harder to keep cool and your risk for overheating or developing heat stroke increases. Overall, Aging leads to increased risk for skin injury. The skin is thinner, it's more fragile, and it loses the protective fat layer. Individuals may be less able to sense touch, pressure, vibration, heat, and cold. You know, as we mature, the amount of total cumulative sun exposure we have received increases, and that leads to photo damage of the skin. Fine lines and wrinkles appear as well as increased incidence of precancers like actinic keratosis and skin cancers such as basal cells, squamous cells, and melanomas. Okay, well, you've certainly covered a lot in terms of the internal factors that uh, occur insofar as skin changes. And you mentioned sun, and, and I want to get to that in a minute, but I just wanted to back up a little bit um, before talking about the sun. Are there some other external factors that affect how the skin ages that you could tell us about? Sure, Cheryl. So how your skin ages, it depends on a variety of factors. It's internal as well as external. So external factors include your lifestyle, diet, heredity, and other personal habits. So just as an example, smoking, smoking can produce free radicals. And these free radicals were once healthy oxygen molecules that have now become overactive and unstable. Now, what happens is the free radicals can damage cells, and that can lead to premature wrinkling, among other things. Free radicals are also produced from ultraviolet radiation exposure to the skin, and sun exposure is one of the biggest culprits to photoaging. Other external factors that can contribute to aging of the skin include stress, quality of sleep, gravity, daily facial movement, obesity, and even sleep position. 
Well, then there's a lot of things to think about. And I now I want to get to the sun because you've mentioned that several times. And well, some of those other external factors people may not have to be exposed to, as it were. So tell us, Dr. Dudlani, is the sun the main cause of skin damage? What do you see? And, and specifically, what is the impact on the skin insofar as the sun? So while there are numerous causes, the most preventable cause of skin damage is sun exposure. It's important to avoid tanning and burning. Safe sun practices are important to prevent that repeated damage, which leads to aging and skin cancers. So what happens is when the ultraviolet rays from the sun or tanning bed hit our skin, these rays damage the DNA in the cells of our skin. The body tries to repair this damage, but over time, when the rays repeatedly hit our skin, the body cannot repair the damage anymore. And when the damage can't be repaired, skin cancer develops. And this is what can happen after years of sun exposure. All right. And we're going to be talking more about uh, cancer a little later in the program. One factor that we often associate with aging is wrinkles. So talk about wrinkles. Can they actually be reduced or eliminated? And and I guess we often sometimes hear about the difference between wrinkles and facial lines. So tell us a little bit more about wrinkles and what, what do we need to know? Well, wrinkling is the result of several factors. You know, one of the big factors um, causing wrinkling is the loss of volume and support structures. So support structures like collagen, elastin, and hyaluronic acid, they decrease. And they're in the top layers of the skin. And when they decrease, this results in a sagging, dehydrated appearance. And also when the skin loses the molecules that help retain water, this results in dryness as well. So on the one hand, we have the loss of volume and support structures. On the other hand, we're also very expressive individuals. So over time, you know, in our lifetime, we lose elasticity as we smile, raise our eyebrows, as we scowl. We're forming these lines that become permanent because the skin does not recoil as well as it did before. And so in terms of treatment, this is the mechanism behind why Botox helps with fine lines. It works by halting the movement of the muscle and preventing those expressions so as not to leave permanent wrinkles. Wrinkling, another factor, is also advanced by sunlight because sunlight leads to that photo damage that I was mentioning. The photo damage liberates the oxygen-free radicals and iron from cell components. So the free radicals They're highly reactive oxygen molecules, and when they get loose in the skin, in the top layers of the skin, they can damage the DNA, damage the protein, damage the cell membranes. And as those those ultraviolet rays penetrate to the deeper layers of the skin, they can damage or kill the cells, leading to the signs of aging. This also leads to a loss of the support structures in our skin, like I mentioned, it's kind of all tied together. And then the body loses its ability to repair the cells after repeated damage. And this is why I can't stress enough the importance of sun protection and avoidance of sunburning and tanning and why antioxidants are so important. You know, just a a tips for some of the readers, antioxidants can be found in topical creams and many berries such as raspberries, blueberries, and goji and acai berries. Also, just very simply put for the listeners, fine lines, they're just more superficial and closer to the skin surface. They're often one of the very first signs of aging. 
they develop around the eyes and around other areas of the face, they tend to form among the expression lines that appear when you smile, laugh, or frown. Over time, wrinkles are more deep set. So as you age, many of the fine lines, they may turn into wrinkles as the skin loses elasticity and firmness. Well, at least now we know what causes those wrinkles and those facial lines. And uh, the other message I keep hearing is stay out of the sun. And you have mentioned a little bit about dry skin. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Why older adults often have dry and itching skin? You mentioned a couple of uh, treatments already, but expand on that since it seems to be so prevalent amongst this population. Yes, um, it definitely is very prevalent among older adults. Uh, Cheryl, what happens is the skin becomes dry when it loses too much water or oil. And skin loses water as we age, as the skin barrier gets disrupted because the support structures which hold on to water begin to diminish. Also, sebaceous glands, they begin, sebaceous glands are our oil glands and they begin to produce less oil as you age. Men experience a minimal decrease most often after the age of 80 um, with their oil glands, but women, they gradually produce less oil beginning after menopause. And this can make it hard to keep the skin moist and that can result in dryness and itching. What I like to tell my patients in terms of treatments and how this can be prevented is, you know, you wanna avoid hot showers. You wanna try to keep the water lukewarm and limit the time in the water to about 10 minutes. You wanna moisturize after your bath and after hand washing with creams that are fragrance-free, preservative-free, and dye-free. Also try to pick moisturizers that contain ceramides because ceramides help retain moisture. They repair and replenish the skin and they help to create a strong skin barrier to trap moisture in. Wear gloves if you're frequently washing dishes. If the condition is, and and if the dry skin condition, I do see that a lot in my office. So if it's severe, see your dermatologist, see your primary care physician. They can recommend creams that have lactic acid or urea, which can be helpful because lactic acid and urea are humectants that hold on to water. And lastly, I always tell not just the elderly, but all my patients, keep yourself hydrated with fluids. Good advice. Good advice. I think sometimes we tend to forget um, that that advice about eight glasses of water may not always necessarily um, be a bad thing to remember. So I wanted to ask you about, it's, it's springtime. We just uh, uh, are now in the, the spring season, and I'm assuming that older adults are going out and maybe in gardening or taking walks or whatever. And talk about plant rashes, like uh, exposure to poison ivy or poison oak. Do you see that a lot? And how do you, uh, what do you advise your your patients? So we absolutely see this a lot, especially this time of year. What's important for the listeners is to know how they can get the rash so that they can avoid getting it, because there's three real ways to get the rash. The first way is by direct contact, and that's by touching poison ivy, poison oak, or poison sumac. So basically you touch the plant, you get the rash, because every part of these plants, the leaves, the stems, the roots, and the flower, they contain this urushoil oil. And it's this actual oil that gives you the poison ivy, poison oak, or poison sumac on the skin. So direct contact is one way. 
Indirect contact is another way because this urushal oil can stick to almost anything. So if the if you touch a pet's fur that has the oil or you, you touch clothing that has the oil, gardening tools or sports equipment that has the oil on it, you can get the rash. What's really interesting is dogs and other animals, although they can have the oil on their skin, they don't get the rash. Only people can get the rash from touching the pet's fur that has the oil. And then the third way to get the rash is airborne contact. And so burning these poisonous plants, they can release particles of the urushal into the air. And then these airborne particles can land on the skin. What I tell uh, patients is usually a rash from these plants can last one to three weeks. And most of the rashes can go away without treatment. But while your skin heals, it's often very itchy. So if you do get exposed, either direct, indirect, or airborne, take a thorough shower to wash off the oil everywhere, even though you think it might have not touched other parts of the body because your hand might have touched a part of your body and that oil would have then been exposed on that part of the body. What happens is within minutes of contact of the oil, the skin starts to absorb it, but you may not feel this and you may not see the rash right away. And so you definitely want to get in the shower right away. You want to thoroughly wash all of the clothes you were wearing when you came into contact with the poisonous plant. Because if the oil is stuck onto the clothing and you don't realize it and you've taken a shower and then you pick up your clothes, you've now exposed yourself to the oil again and it can cause another rash. You want to wash everything also that may have oil on its surface. So besides clothing, the oil can stick to many surfaces like I mentioned, including hardening tools, golf clubs, leashes, the pet's fur. So you want to be sure that you're rinsing and washing the tools and any objects with warm soapy water. But while you do that, you want to wear gloves so also you don't re-expose yourself. Now, when you, if you do get exposed and the rash of poison ivy develops, you don't want to scratch because scratching can cause an, an infection. Sometimes with poison ivy, you get blisters, but you want to leave the blisters alone if they do develop just leave them intact. If for some reason the blisters open, don't remove the overlying skin because that overlying skin, it's okay that the blister drains, but that overlying skin can stay on because it can protect the raw wound underneath and prevent infection. A lot of patients ask me, well, what can I do to relieve the itch? And I always tell them, you can take short, lukewarm baths. You can, you can take those baths in like a collodial oatmeal preparation. You can buy that at your local drugstore. You can also draw a bath and add one cup of baking soda to running water. Also taking short, cool showers can help. Sometimes cal calamine lotion can reduce the itch. And if you have a mild case, you can get over-the-counter hydrocortisone cream um, at the drugstore. You can also uh, use cool compresses to help uh, with the itchy feeling. You can make them by wetting a clean washcloth with cold water and then wringing it out so it doesn't drip and then apply that cool cloth to the itchy skin. If it's more uncomfortable, you can consider taking antihistamine pills and these pills can help reduce itching. But one thing I always like to tell my patients is don't buy the topical antihistamines and apply those to your skin because doing so can worsen the rash and the itch. A lot of times people will buy topical Benadryl and I always suggest to my patients to avoid that. Now, if a patient has a serious reaction, um, they'll end up seeing us, and at that time, they'll likely need a prescription for maybe a topical steroid ointment that's a lot stronger than the over-counter version that can be applied to really soothe the inflammation in the skin. And oftentimes, if there's a very, very severe case, 
a strong medicine like oral prednisone may be necessary to calm it down. Patients also, I try to instruct them not to scratch because if you scratch, you can develop a concomitant infection. And at that point, I may have to prescribe an oral antibiotic. Okay. Well, that's a lot of information about plant rashes, and thank you for that. I wanted to get back to a couple of of, uh, situations yet that you mentioned a little bit earlier that older adults may experience or have. One of them is, is bruises, and then what can be done about that? And then I also wanted to talk about age spots and skin tags and, and possible treatment. Yes. So bruises are very common in older adults, Cheryl. You know, it was, as I mentioned before, as we mature, broken capillaries appear as the blood vessels become more fragile and the structures supporting them become weaker. And then the fragile blood vessels can break easily. And that's what causes bruises even after a minor injury. So some of the common treatment include creams that have ingredients like arnica, vitamin K, or heparin in them to help resolve the bruises faster. One popular cream is Dermen that's available over the counter. Arnica is also very popular, and it's also found in Dermen, by the way, but Arnica can also be taken orally. It's a perennial herb that's highly diluted in homeopathic doses, and it's commonly used to treat bruises. Also, sometimes patients will get bruises after cosmetic procedures, and we can use lasers to expedite the bruise resolution. In terms of age spots and skin tags, this is a great question because this is something patients come in to see us for quite commonly. So skin tag and age spots, they're considered benign and they are very easy to treat in the office. And although it's not necessary to treat these lesions, many times patients will complain that their skin tags are bothering them or they don't like the appearance of sunspots on their face or body. Treating skin tags in particular, it can give comfort to patients because they get caught in clothing or they become itchy, they get irritated, they get caught in their jewelry. So um, although they are considered cosmetic, we have several treatment options available. Um, the most common is numbing the area and then either re- either removing it by cautery, which is a heat device to destroy it from the outside, or using a blade to remove it, or using scissors just to actually snip them. Sometimes a quicker method is destruction with the liquid nitrogen spray, which is cold, which is a cold spray. Um, age spots, they um, are also called liver spots or solar lentigenes. They're these small dark areas on your skin. Um, they vary in size. They usually appear on the face, hands, shoulders, and arms. And then they usually appear in the areas that are most exposed to the sun. And they're very, very common in adults older than 50. But younger people can get them too, especially if they spend a lot of time in the sun. And age spots, they're caused by overactive pigment in the cells. The ultraviolet light accelerates the production of melanin in these cells. So on areas of the skin that have had years of frequent and prolonged sun exposure, age spots appear when the melanin becomes clumped or it's produced in high concentrations. So the use of commercial tanning lamps and tanning beds can also contribute to the development of age spots, which is why we recommend to avoid those tanning lamps and tanning beds. So, you know, you would also ask me, is treatment necessary? In terms of age spots, they truly are harmless and they don't need treatment. But for cosmetic reasons, patients may want them and age spots can be lightened or removed using lasers, 
chemical peels, skin lightening creams. But what I always tell patients is individuals can really try to prevent age spots by regularly using sunscreen and, and practicing safe sun procedures. Um, and although it's not necessary, patients oftentimes request that the sunspots on their face be treated to improve their complexion and remove sun damage that has been present for years because it does help improve their confidence and make their skin look more youthful. And I think this is especially uh, important in the elderly where as they mature, they start to feel a little more sensitive about their appearance. Okay, and we're going to talk a little more about that in the second half of the program. In the event that you tuned in late, we're talking with Dr. Chicky Didlani, board-certified dermatologist with Dermatology Associates in McLean, Virginia. And you are listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM, and we'll be right back. Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Chicky Didlani, board-certified dermatologist with Dermatology Associates in McLean, Virginia. And we're talking about skin disorders and conditions. And so, Dr. Didlani, before the break, you talked about physical appearance and advanced age. Give us a little bit of an overview of why that's important, you know, both for emotional or mental and psychosocial well-being. Sure. You know, in a society that places much value on youth, a person's body image can be affected by aging in many ways. Physical changes in the elderly, elderly such as bed sores, vision and hearing changes, weight gain, fragile skin, hair loss, decreased mobility and wrinkles can affect self-esteem. So an older adult may sense a loss of control over his or her life due to physical changes, as well as the external pressures, such as limited financial resources. So these and other issues often give rise to a negative emotions, such as sadness, anxiety, loneliness, and lowered self-esteem, which in turn can lead to social withdrawal, anxiety, and apathy. And this only got worse during the pandemic. You know, patients with skin disease, including elderly patients, they have a substantial burden of psychosocial suffering because the high visibility of skin diseases, particularly when it's superimposed on already compromised aging skin, it induces both unconscious and intentional stigmatization of the patient. Um, keeping the skin healthy allows them to slow down one of the first outward signs of aging, leading to more positive feelings and a better self-esteem in an already difficult and challenging stage of life. And I'm glad that you mentioned about the pandemic. I can't help but wonder if all those Zoom meetings where we were always looking at ourselves uh, during our meetings, if that might have uh, exacerbated the situation in terms of, of older adults looking at themselves and, and the appearance. Did your patients sometimes express concern about that? Absolutely. So we had seen a sharp rise in patients seeking treatment during the pandemic. 
And a lot of that was the result of Zoom meetings. Patients had become more self-aware and critical of themselves from these videos as they found themselves staring at their image more than ever before. Patients had noticed changes to their skin that they may not have paid much attention to in the past. And also most patients worked from home during the pandemic and it was a hard time for them mentally for many folks to be cut off from family and friends. They were trying to lift their spirits by working on self-improvement, appearance and exercise. In the older population, we found that many people wanted laser treatments to remove sun damage, and many were paying more attention to fine lines and wrinkles. Also, you could visibly see that when they came in for treatments, it definitely lifted their mood and self-confidence. So as you are saying, they're coming in for uh, treatments and other conditions. But one thing that I found when I was looking to research for these questions, I just found that there were so many skin conditions that affect older adults. And I think we need some help here as to how an older adult can decide when is the time to see a physician? What If they have a certain something on their skin, uh, is it something that's ultimately going to go away and they can just buy something at the drugstore? Uh, explain to our listeners what the criteria would be when they need to see a physician. Of course, yes. I can see how that can be a little bit confusing for older adults. What I generally recommend is that patients have simple concerns like dry skin or warts. Seeing their primary care physician is reasonable. But in patients who have a history of skin cancer or lesions that are not healing or they're bleeding or they have unusual growths, and troublesome rashes, sometimes seeing a dermatologist first can save them time and get them comfort faster. You know, in our practice, we are happy to see any patients with any skin conditions, and we work very closely with the patient's primary care physicians to get them seen. Um, so if they happen to go to their primary care physician first and they can't um, help them, we can get them in with us very quickly. I always tell my patients that if they have any lesions that are concerned about they are concerned about are any skin rashes that may develop prior to our next routine skin check just to return sooner because it's better for me to look at the growth or rash than for it to linger or worse that we miss an early skin cancer. I'm really happy when patients keep a close eye on their skin and are responsible because then we can prevent further consequences if we intervene early. Well, so when a patient comes to a dermatologist, I understand, and I've had them myself, um, a full body skin exam. Uh, explain exactly what that, that is, how you conduct that with your patients, and, and also, and very importantly, how often should that type of a, a full body skin exam be, be conducted? Yeah, so a full body exam, that's basically a screen to look for any early indications of skin cancers. The patients will come in, they'll get undressed, we check their skin, hair, and nails from top to bottom, and we're looking for abnormalities or non-healing lesions. Full skin checks are very important because patients, they can't examine all their skin, especially the backside. These appointments are crucial for screening for skin cancers because all people have moles, and these moles need to be examined. Moles are the growth of cells that make up the pigment in our skin, and they need to be carefully monitored to look for changes that may indicate transformation into skin cancer. And these are what are closely examined during full skin exams. Also, dermatologists try to teach patients to examine their own moles. It's important for patients to be familiar with their moles so they can note changes to their dermatologist. I always teach my patients the ABCDEs of moles. A is for 
asymmetry. Does the mole have an irregular shape? B is for border. Is it rough or is it notched around the edges? C is for color. Is it changing shade or color? D is for diameter. Is it larger than the size of a pencil eraser? E is for evolution or elevation. Is the spot growing in height or width? If it's changing, if the border is irregular, if it's getting crusty or bleeding, you should have it looked at. And if you have any doubts, you see a dermatologist. Um, after we do the skin exam, I always tell adults that they should have a skin cancer yearly. And then those that have high risk moles, atypical moles or an increased number, I, see, I tend to see them twice a year. Also, any patient who's had skin cancer, a basal cell or a squamous cell, dermatologists typically like to follow them twice a year until they've been clear for two years. And patients with melanoma are followed more closely every three months, as this, is, this type of skin cancer is the deadliest. Well, and since you've brought up melanoma, and I want to get back to that full body skin exam in a second, but... Uh, we did, uh, Aging Matters did do a program about melanoma on June 1st, 2021. And uh, that program featured Michael Adkins, uh, uh, Dr. Michael Adkins, who is with the Georgetown Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center at Georgetown University. And with Dr. Adkins, we also interviewed a patient named Amy Aronson, who was a melanoma survivor. So that's a topic that really covered a whole program. So I just want to encourage listeners to uh, tune into that program uh, June 1st, 2021. But I wanted to get back about that full body skin exam, Dr. Dadlani. So might it be possible at certain points uh, as you're doing the skin exam, uh, after you finish, that some there might be some brief treatment for certain spots or or whatever that you can just do right away that are they're benign. What would you tell us? So Cheryl, if we do see certain things during the full exam, like an atypical mole, we can go ahead and biopsy it and send that to the lab. Also, sometimes I'll see precancers, and I can use liquid nitrogen to treat that. All right. Well, one condition that I really want to hear more about is shingles, because we also know about the vaccine. But but explain to us what is shingles, how many doses of the shingles vaccine are required. Give us a, some more information about that and why that's so important. Yeah, shingle, shingles is very important in the elderly. And Basically, shingles, it's caused by the reactivation of the chickenpox virus. So if you've ever had the chickenpox virus, and almost all adults have had it, there's a good chance that the virus is still at large in your body. The virus never goes away. What happens is the virus, which is the varicella zoster virus, it lies dormant for decades without causing any symptoms. Instead, it settles in the nerves, and then it re may reactivate years later. And the, when, when the virus wakes up and travels along nerve fibers to the surface of the skin, you get this distinctive painful rash with these cluster of fluid-filled blisters, often in a band around one side of the waist. It doesn't have to be around the waist only though. The shingles can occur anywhere on the body within a nerve distribution. Usually the first symptoms of shingles appear one to five days after the rash. And these early warning signs are usually felt in the location where the rash will develop, itching, tingling, burning, and pain. And although the localized pain and rash are the telltale signs of shingles, other symptoms include fever, chills, headache, and upset stomach. I always tell patients it's important to get treatment immediately to shorten the course and help prevent a condition called post-herpetic post neuralgia. Um, this 
Pain from post-traumatic neuralgia is caused due to damaged nerves in and beneath the skin from the virus. And in some people, the pain of shingles may linger for months or even years after the rash is healed. Um, and in severe cases, the pain or itching may be bad enough to cause insomnia, weight loss, or depression. So it's really important to get the vaccine and seek treatment early. So you need two doses of the new vaccine, and it's given two to six months apart. And that second dose is really important to make sure you get long-term protection. In October of 2017, the FDA approved that new shingle vaccine called Shingrex. And in January of 2018, the CDC officially recommended that adults 50 and over get the new vaccine to prevent shingles. So you should get it even if you're not sure you ever had chickenpox. Shingrix, which is the new vaccine, is more than 90% effective at preventing shingles and that posturpedic neuralgia pain that I mentioned earlier in all age groups. And if an older adult, um, should, the, should an older adult get a new vaccine, even if they've received the earlier one? Yes. The CDC recommends that you get the new Shingrix vaccine, even if you've had Zostavax, because it's more effective than the older vaccine and the protection lasts longer. The new vaccine is more than 90% effective. Zostavax, which is the old vaccine, was only about 51% effective, and it got even less effective in people ages 70 and older. So definitely get vaccinated with the new vaccine. If you've had the old vaccine, the Zostavax, wait at least two months before you, you get the new Shingavax. Good advice. I want to turn to skin cancer. As I understand it, there's two common kinds, the basal cell carcinoma and the squamous cell carcinoma. Talk about each of these and, and the warning signs. Sure. So both basal cell and squamous cell cancers are superficial types of skin cancers, with squamous being a bit more aggressive. Basal cell cancers involve the basal cells in the epidermis, which is the round cells that are found at the bottom. And as they flatten, they make their way to the surface, they transform into squamous cells. So squamous cells involve the cells higher up in the epidermis, and basal cells are the ones that are a little bit lower. It's just the type of cell that actually turns um, into a skin cancer. Basal cells and squamous cell cancers, they're generally slow growing. They usually don't metastasize and they are rarely fatal. But both types of cancer can cause serious complications if they're left untreated. In terms of basals, they're the most common type of skin cancer. They count for about 80% of all types of skin cancers. It's also the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the United States. You can find basal cells commonly on the face, often on the nose. And while basal cells often develop on skin that has had the most sun, they also can appear on any part of the body, including the trunk, the legs, and the arms. As for squamous cells, they account for 20% of all skin cancers. About 700,000 new cases of this skin cancer are diagnosed in the United States each year. This skin cancer also tends to develop on skin that has been exposed to the sun for years, like the head, the neck, and the back of the hands. But it is possible for squamous cell to develop on any part of the body, including the inside of the mouth, the lips, and genitalia. Women also frequently get squamous cell carcinomas on their legs, mostly as a result of tanning and sunburning. And are the warning signs different between these two uh, types of carcinoma? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the warning signs 
and the history that we take from a patient, the things we look for are, do you have chronically sun damaged skin? Have you had a history of sunburn? Is there a family history of skin cancer? Other signs that I like to have patients and myself look for are any scaly or pearly lesions that won't heal or they continue to bleed or lesions that rapidly grow. I always tell patients if there's any doubt or question, it's better to have the spot looked at by a dermatologist. And and as far as treatment, I'm sure that many older adults and other folks who are listening have heard of Mohs surgery. So could you just briefly talk about what Mohs surgery is and, and are there other types of skin cancer treatments that you um, you give to your patients? Yeah, of course. So Mohs surgery, it is a it's a procedure that's used to treat skin cancer. And this surgery has a unique benefit because during surgery, the surgeon can actually see where the cancer stops and when the margin is clear before he closes the wound. So the ability to see where the cancer stops gives the most procedure two important advantages. It has a high cure rate because the margin is cleared immediately before the patient is closed. And it also allows you to keep as much healthy skin as possible because the surgeon only removes the skin with the cancer cells. And this is especially important when skin when skin cancer develops in areas with little tissue beneath, like the eyelid, the eye, or the hand. So what happens is the surgeon will take a small layer of the skin. And while you wait, the most surgeon looks at the removed skin under the microscope. The surgeon's looking for cancer cells. If the cancer cells are found, they'll go back and just take another thin slice of skin that's removed. And this process of removing a thin layer of skin and looking at it under the microscope, it just continues until the surgeon no longer sees skin cancers. Um, and other treatments for skin cancer, the gold standard, if it's not you know aggressive or large, or if it's not in an area where there's a little tissue beneath, like the eyelid, the nose, ears, scalp, genitals, hands or foot, the gold standard is usually just a routine surgical excision with a standard margin that's sent to the lab, and then it's identified as the margins being clear. Now, there are other options also um, for treatments for skin cancer, and that usually is dependent on the health and the age of the patient. And these include topical chemotherapeutic creams. There's also a scrape and burn procedure known as electrodesiccation and cautery. And less commonly, radiation therapy can be used for patients in whom surgery may not be a good option. But what I really tell patients is, you know, unlike many other cancers, the primary cause of basal cells and squamous cells are well known. The number one culprit is ultraviolet rays from the sun or tanning beds. So you really want to be careful. Can't say that enough, Dr. Delani. I can I can hear you um, share that advice uh, with our listeners. And for the rest of the program, it would be really important to talk about how skin problems can be prevented among older adults. You you've already told us many times now about avoiding the sun, but uh, give give us a little bit more information about as I said, prevention, and, and also protecting and preserving our, our aging skin. Yeah, I would be happy to share several recommendations and tips. And um, one of the, some, like one tip, very simple, just let's have a, some simple change to your bath time. So basically in your bath time, you can use a gentle fragrance, a gentle fragrance-free moisturizing bar soap, cleanser, or body wash. So if you make this simple change as your bath time, it will help soothe rather than dry your skin. 
Moisturizing ingredients can help reduce the dryness, and these moisturizing ingredients include glycerin, hyaluronic acid, and lanolin. Also, another simple change to your bath time. Use warm, not hot water. Hot water strips the skin of its natural oils, which can increase skin dryness. Use a soft washcloth in your bath to wash your skin because buff puffs, buff puffs and bath brushes can sometimes irritate your skin. Keep your bath or shower short, as I'd mentioned earlier. When you bathe, keep it to five to 10 minutes. When you come out of the bath, you wanna pat the water gently from your skin after bathing, but just leave a tiny amount of water on your skin. Having some water on your skin when you apply that moisturizer helps hydrate your skin. When you come out of the bath, apply a creamy, fragrance-free moisturizer within three minutes of bathing and also throughout the day. An ointment does a better job of holding water in your skin than does a cream. So another, another tip I like to share with my patients is use a humidifier when the air feels dry. Heating and air conditioning can strip the humidity from the air. Dry air can make your skin feel dry and itchy. You wanna to try to aim to keep your indoor humidity between 45 and 60%. And you can easily, easily measure the humidity in the air with a hydrometer, which you can buy at a hardware or home improvement store. Another tip I like to do is pick fragrance-free, dye-free, preservative-free products in general. Fragrances can irritate your skin. So to help heal dry, itchy skin and prevent it from coming back, stop using perfumes, cologne, or skincare products that contain fragrances, dyes, and preservatives. Another easy tip, wear gloves while doing housework and gardening. Working around your house and in your garden can expose your skin to harsh chemicals, sunlight, and other things that can irritate and dry your skin. When you wear gloves, you also reduce the risk of injuring your skin. Now we mentioned this and I'll just mention it one more time. Protect yourself from the skin because I can't stress this enough. Sun protection, hats, sunscreen, sun protective clothes, avoid tanning beds, avoid sunburning and sun tanning, avoiding sun during peak hours of intense sunlight, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Try to avoid those peak hours and then encourage activities in the shade. Another recommendation to prevent skin problems is to keep up with your routine skin exams. We talked about that in details. If you keep up with your routine skin exams, troublesome lesions can be found early and intervention can be taken. Hydrate yourself, good sleep, and reduce stress. I also say schedule a consult with a dermatologist who may recommend topical products that have antioxidants to slow the aging process. Cheryl, you know, one of the most important things for prevention and early intervention is if ever there's a question, the best thing is to see your dermatologist. You know, patients sometimes worry or apologize for coming in for spots that they think might not be anything, but my advice is don't wait. Any spot that concerns you, schedule an evaluation so things can be caught early. Thank you for, for that very, very good advice, Dr. Ditlani. I was also wondering what resources uh, you would recommend about skin conditions and diseases. As I mentioned earlier, there seems to be so much out there and especially focus on those that uh, affect older adults. What do you recommend that people read or look up uh, to learn more? Sure. I really like the American Academy of Dermatology website. It's www.aad.org. And there's a section specifically for public and the patients. And then the other website that I really like is skincancer.org. It's the Skin Cancer Foundation that gives great advice on how to protect and take care of your skin. With all of this information that you have given us, have you seen more patients with certain conditions just kind of to make sure that people are aware? 
I was just wondering if there was any advice that you wanted to give to people, especially during the pandemic or as the pandemic closes down or whatever. Yeah, so that's a great question. So now that the pandemic is closing down, more people are coming back in to get their skin checked. A lot of people missed their appointments. So my biggest advice is get back on your routine. If you notice anything unusual, make an appointment. Don't miss your routine skin checks. Okay, well... I want to thank Dr. Chicky Dudlani, board-certified dermatologist with Dermatology Associates in McLean, Virginia. And we're really glad that you were uh, with us today, Dr. Dudlani, and we thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Okay. Well, if our listeners want to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website at www.agingmattersonline.com. And at this site, of course, you can access all Aging Matters radio and TV show content. And of course, uh, turn on the or, or link into the Aging Matters podcast, which of course is on Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And information about that company can be found at inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.